Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, the pastor of West Bradenton Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida, Josh King, the pastor of Saxe's Church in Saxe, Texas, and me, Micah Fries, the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to another episode of EST, the original podcast for the church, and the, especially the established church. We're so glad that you guys and ladies have joined us. This uh, episode's going to be pretty interesting, I think, because it hits at a stress point that a lot of established church pastors deal with weekly, something that we have to kind of constantly struggle with. Maybe we find a lot of our value in it, as we shouldn't, but we do, and the topic's going to be preaching, the act of preaching particularly. Before we jump into that topic, I want to remind our listeners of the Christian Standard Bible, a brand new translation that is now available in most every store that I have seen, also available online. The Christian Standard Bible is faithful and true, one that all of the hosts of the EST use and love and value. So I would uh, I would encourage you to Google it, find it on your favorite resources. It's available nearly everywhere. And um, enjoy the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. Sam and Micah, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing, good, man. Yeah, I'm doing awesome. Yeah. And you know, Florida—it's heating up here in Florida. It's summertime now, basically, even though it's still springtime everywhere else. Right. And the mosquito—the mosquitoes are back. So I, I'm trying to kill this mosquito in my office right now. Yeah, he kind of looks yeah, like we he's, just he's watching doing him. something just... weird. Yeah. He looks like Mr. Miyagi. Is what he I'm looks. Always, like. I'm, I'm always doing something weird. See, but the problem, this, Sam, is you don't have the chopsticks out. Yeah. I know, I know. You need the chopsticks. <laughs> Catch one of those mosquitoes with a chopstick, and, and now here's the funny part. Everybody who's in our generation just got that joke and kind of snickered, and everyone who's a young millennial or below just that totally went over their head, and they have no clue why in the world we would talk about mosquitoes and chopsticks. Mm-hmm. I would say, as a old millennial, I barely got it. Uh, and by old, Josh means balding and slightly graying millennial. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this one gray spot on my beard or my, so my stubble. So you guys will appreciate this. So I, we, my, Tracy and I were at the uh, eye doctor last Friday, and we ordered new glasses. And my new glasses are blue with, like, silver, uh, the, like, the things that go over your ears. I don't know what you call those, but they're, like, silver. And the front of the glasses are blue. Mm-hmm. And it just occurred to me that those are cowboy colors which means I've made a tragic error in judgment. Uh, but Tracy, literally, she said, those glasses look good because the silver complements the gray in your hair. Oh, wow. <laughs> I said, no, we're done. We, we, we're not having this conversation anymore. <laughs> yeah. I would love anything to compliment my hair, but it just doesn't happen for me. Oh, yeah. You're, you're so trendy and sharp. And Cowboys Blue looks good on anybody, just like Burnt Orange looks good. It's Gator Blue. Gator Blue and Orange, baby. I'm with you there. My go. God made there. the sky blue and the sun orange. That's right. I got I the got mosquito. It. You got the mosquito. Yeah, well I got, done. I got, I got the mosquito. All well right, done. let's talk about preaching. So I guess before we talk about the actual like how-to and the things, what do you – let's talk about our feelings, guys. How does preaching make you feel like? Because I, I think actually that's want, where that's, a lot of people can relate. That's what I wanted to ke- – I'm curious where we're at because I have a feeling the three of us are in different places with respect to our love for preaching. Mm. Uh, Sam, let's start with you. Like on, on, the, on the list of things you do as a pastor, where does preaching rank? Oh, it's up there. Um, you, you know, 
I don't know if it would be number one, but it's it's close. I mean, okay. I enjoy I enjoy the administration of the church, the management of the church, just as much as I do preaching. But the weight the weight of preaching is is important to me because I, I understand the gravity of the proclamation of the word of God. So um, it, it, it's up there as far as favorite things that I do. Um, but there's a few other things that are kind of in the vicinity of, okay. you know, of stuff that I enjoy doing. Um, administration, management, leadership, vision, those are all things that are kind of, they all intertwine together. But um, Josh, what about you? But it's up there. Man, I got to say, it is probably my favorite. I don't even have other things near it, but... Uh, I will admit that at different times I I enjoy it more, probably based on the series or the topic I'm in. I'm in the middle of Hebrews right now, and by the middle, uh, I mean I'm in the middle of preparation for the series. Although I'm just about to do the second, uh, you know, second sermon. Really, really enjoying some of the insights that I'm getting from this. So right now, I love it. Sometimes there's a series or so that I get in the middle of it. I'm, eh, but. Uh, right now, yeah, I love it. The actual act of preaching, it's my favorite. The so the the preparation of preaching, sometimes not my favorite. If you can divorce those two from one another, I think you can yeah, divorce I, those two in a sense. Yes, I, I think so. I, I, sometimes I enjoy the preparation as much as I do the act of preaching. So that's funny that for you, preparation is kind of a means to an end. But I, mm-hmm. I really just I enjoy the I enjoy the the preparation too. Yeah, not always. Uh, just sometimes. Yeah. Micah, what sure. about you? How are you feeling about it? Yeah. You know what's interesting? I mean, I've been preaching now for 21 years. Wow. And that's why your gray hair matches your. Man, yeah. grandpa. Yeah. Back when I started preaching. He used to use a scroll, actually, Sam. Used, it was a actually, scroll when he started. <laughs> we didn't have these iPad thingies to, to exactly. help us out. CSV. <laughs> these, internet, these internet ads. Yes. Um, no, but I mean, I've been preaching for 21 years, and preaching for me has gone from, I remember for the first probably 15 years I was preaching, and I've been a pastor for um, over 18 years now. So for probably the majority of my pastoring, I, I've said multiple times I'd rather preach than go to Six Flags. Like, it's my favorite thing in the entire world to do. And I've found that over the past few years... I still absolutely love preaching, but preaching has diminished a little bit on the priority on the on the not the priority list on the things I enjoy doing. There are some other things that I enjoy doing more. I enjoy coaching our staff and other pastors. I love that. Mm-hmm. I enjoy um, leadership development. I, I like I love strategy development. Those sorts of things have become things that I enjoy a little bit more than I used to, but I still love preaching. It's a weird, it's a weird spot. I mean, I I would love to preach. I think part of it happened when I went to work for Lifeway, frankly. And I thought, you know, I knew I would preach a lot when I went to work for Lifeway, but I ended up preaching a whole lot. I I preached a lot more there than I did when I was a pastor. And I don't know if it was just that, but, but yeah, preaching, I mean, I still love preaching, but it's, I'm, I'm probably where Sam is, where it's in the mix with a few other things as, as, you know, things that are my favorite, though I'm like you, Josh, and that I don't love prep. I mean, I, I, I enjoy prep, but I don't live for sermon prep. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we can talk a little bit about prep in this episode, but particularly I would like us to lean towards the actual act of preaching, not that I'm the boss of anything, but let's lean towards the act of preaching. And I say that because, assumably, 
a good number of our listeners have been to seminary or Bible college or have taken some sort of courses in that, and it's just it varies so wildly on the actual act and or on the actual preparation. And besides that, I think we could all just we could probably rattle off sort of the steps of exegeting a text and then applying your illustrations and formatting the preparation, all that kind of stuff. We can do that, but I think. But we don't. We don't. We don't want to bore our listeners. Right. Right. <laughs> That's for the seminary. You got to pay for that. This is free. So the way that we should approach it is kind of the actual act, actually. So let's start. Okay, how about this? You guys, we're, we're about to preach. You're you're sitting, standing, wherever you are before you, you, you know, before the prayer, before the song, or whatever it leads into you actually standing up and, you know, starting. What, what's going through your mind at that point? I think that's where kind of the act of preaching starts. What, what's going through your mind at that point? What do you tell yourself? What are you fighting internally? Well, okay, so you, you got to back up a little bit from your standing in the worship service. Okay. So I, I kind of have, have a routine. Mm. Um, so I get up. Sunday mornings is the earliest morning, is, is, is my earliest morning. Because um, we have an 8 a.m. service. So we have an 8 a.m., a 9.30, and 11 that I preach. And then we have a 10.30 in Spanish that there's no way I could preach it. But um, <laughs> so I preach three times on a Sunday morning, same sermon, and my my routine begins a little early. So I pray I pray with the staff. That's like you know gotta gotta start with prayer. That's at seven. Uh, at seven thirty, I uh, I pray with some of the deacons, um, and and then I go to the bathroom because it's three services, and <laughs> and and there's there's just no time because they're all back to back to back. It's like I have a rhythm there. My body tells me it's time. Um, I have I eat two granola bars, same granola bars, same brand, and I have a Starbucks triple grande non-fat latte that cost me four dollars and seventy-seven cents. Wow. So um, <laughs> I am I am pretty locked into my routine. So that's how my Sunday begins. Now we can talk about what you're thinking. When you're standing there in the service, but I at least had to get that out because it's my routine. Yeah, I don't have anything like that. Uh, yeah, I I have a routine. Sunday's not the earliest morning for me. Sunday's the, I have two days that I get to sleep in a little bit. They're Friday and Saturday, but every well Friday not even really because I have to get up and take the kids to school. But Saturday's my one day. But I'm up every every day Sunday through Thursday or Sunday through Friday six a.m. You know I'm up and and rolling. And so Sundays, I've got an 8.30 service, not an 8 service, 8 o'clock service, so I'm not quite as early as Sam. But, you know, in some ways I'm similar. We, we gather together with a group of us for prayer in my office every Sunday morning. But I'm kind of funny in this way. I don't eat at all until lunch on Sundays. I don't consume anything. And uh, for a short while, for about a year, probably about eight or nine years ago, I was having pretty significant headaches happen in the middle of my sermons and a doctor told me he said it's probably because you need a little bit of nutrition and so I started doing a granola bar between services but um, I don't even now on a normal day I don't eat breakfast until I've been up for a few hours I can't eat right away and so um, I'll have something I'll have maybe three or four sips of a drink and it's usually lemonade and that's about all I do on Sunday mornings and then I don't consume almost anything generally until I get at the end of the day. So I'm a little bit different than Sam in that. I, if I consumed what he consumed on a Sunday, I'd never be able to get through preaching. <laughs> I'd be a mess. That's but, uh, but then when I get into the sanctuary, it's, it's interesting as I've grown in preaching, um, 
for my first year, you know, decade probably of preaching, I would be sitting on the front row, almost not paying attention to anything, just going over and over in my mind, the primary point of the sermon, my key um, points in the message, praying that, that, you know, God, don't let me blow this. And um, as I've grown as a pastor and a preacher, my sermon prep, for instance, is generally done no later than Thursday. In fact, we're in the process of trying to get our sermon prep three weeks out. Um, and we do sermon prep as a group. We can talk about that later at, at our church. But um, we're done with sermon prep by Thursday. And I usually put it to bed, and I don't look at it again Friday or Saturday, though I might glance at it late Saturday night. Then when I get in the worship center, uh, I'll look at it first thing when I come into the office Sunday morning. But when I get in the worship center, I want to worship. And we're a little bit different in that we've got multiple services happening at the same time. And the preaching pastor and I take those. But I go to every service just to say hello. And so I'm not, I don't get to sit through any of our services completely. I've got, they've got a little car that they run me around, a little golf cart they run me around from one, one place to the other. And uh, I get in, I go over to the other service, I do the welcome, I get done, I come to this service. And then I preach. And depending on if I'm what venue I'm in, usually I'll do the welcome in one venue, and then I may actually even change clothes before I go to the other venue. It's it's kind of it's it's just a it's a, a bit scattered for me on Sunday. So when I get into the worship service, I'm trying to sit there and focus on the service. I'm trying to sing. I'm trying to pay attention, and I don't really think about preaching much until right before I go up into the pulpit. Hmm. Well, I, w- I I planned on us starting a little closer to the sermon, but just to kind of piggyback on what you guys are talking about. Uh, food i guess i mean for people to kind of think through that that may be something to think through i don't think i've ever done that i drink a cup of coffee uh now it's cuban coffee it's a little bit different than your normal just you know shot of coffee but i drink a cup of coffee every morning like a, like a cafe con leche no no it's a it's just a cafe bustelo it's just straight coffee there's no leche in it it's just straight espresso Dude, man i love a good cafe con leche sure but so I'll drink that every morning. I don't eat breakfast ever, uh, ever, any day. I just don't. So I'll come in. If I do eat breakfast, it'll be on a Sunday, and that's because we have that traditional sort of small groups hour and then worship service hour. And there's a number of our small groups, particularly the older uh, ladies, who have breakfast, like homemade breakfast stuff in there every Sunday. And so I'll stop by, grab a bite or something of that. Then, uh, But my morning starts about 8 here. I get here about 8. I'll go through the sermon. All I'm trying to do is write down sort of the one point or one word outline. So, um, you know, my intro, just one word. If I can do that from memory, I'm not worried about it. I'll also print out sort of any verses, extra verses that I'm going to take or or mention, and I'll bring that out. I'll walk over, make sure all the slides are good. And usually the slides are already done. I'm just making sure that whoever's running the slides that day kind of knows where I'm going to go with things, when to start stuff, stuff like that. Then, um, when we get to the service, I've always kind of tried uh, to detach from the sermon, particularly during the musical portion of the, the service. So I'll, I'll just completely detach. I don't think about it. I just sit there. And, and if right before I get up, I'll kind of think through thoughts like, just talk. Just stand up, share what you learned, and then sit back down. And so I just kind of re-coach myself into this mentality what I'm trying to fight in my own heart is a, is a uh, production or a performance. And so I just say this is just like if something happened to me at work and I get home and then I'm going to share it with Jackie. So that's essentially the idea that I'm trying to do. This happened to me this week. This is how I encountered the Word of God. Now I'm going to stand up and just share it with these people just kind of the way. And I just 
start talking. So that, that's kind of the way my beginning starts. What are you guys about that thought process right before you stand up to talk? Micah, how do you, how do you think through that beginning with? Yeah, so I'm funny. When it comes to um, sermon structure, I, I, I structure the content of the sermon um, in, in fairly lengthy format, but I have historically saved um, like introduction conclusion and personal illustrations, I don't ever include those in my notes. Those are extemporaneous on purpose. Uh, just because of the way I do delivery, it, it works better and it's more comfortable and natural. So usually right before I go up there, I'm thinking through my introduction. I'm not thinking through the content of the sermon. I'm just in my mind, I'm thinking through my introduction and I reshape my introduction every morning, every week based on what's happened in the service around us because I want a good smooth transition from the service into my introduction. So I'm crafting that in my mind usually as I'm sitting on the front. Well, it depends on the service I'm in as I'm sitting there waiting to go on the platform and, and preach. It's usually almost exclusively about my introduction. Hmm. Sam, what about you, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm detached from the sermon in the service. You know, I'm trying to focus on what's going on. I'm not really thinking about what I'm going to say. You know, I, I've I've tried to finish my sermon prep on Mondays, actually, Monday or Tuesday, get wow. the notes to the team, and and you know, and and not that I'm done writing the sermon. I'm just done with the research. I have the outline. You know, everyone else knows where I'm going at that point because we have staff meetings on Tuesday, so I like to kind of share where the sermon's going on Tuesdays. Um, so. Saturdays, I'm looking at my notes and kind of refreshing what I've written. Um, but Sunday mornings, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't look at the notes. I don't think about the sermon until it's go time. Uh, the only thing that I'm doing, though, in the act of preaching, since we have three services, um, I'm, I'm trying to create a rhythm <laughs> in in the sermon where they're all as similar as possible. I don't. I don't want to preach different sermons to different parts of my church, so th- that's pretty hard to to not. Because sometimes I chase rabbits. I know that probably surprises our um, our listeners um, that I would chase a rabbit, but uh, <laughs> I try hard. I have an outline, a pretty detailed outline, so that I don't do that. But only because I'm very easily distracted by by my own thoughts. Mm. So often I'm battling when I'm preaching my own thoughts of, oh, look at that. Oh, butterflies. Oh, there's a squirrel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I have to be very disciplined to not, to not chase those things that, that pop in my head. Do either of you guys have a safety blanket, something you don't need but you have on the stage with you? Uh, for instance, like some guys don't ever approach the pulpit. They have it up there, but they're never even anywhere near it. But they still want it there. Uh, or maybe for me, I'll just share mine. I, I, it's not a manuscript for, for, per se, but I pretty much type out the whole thing as, as if I was kind of preaching it. Some guys preach it live, you know, they'll go over to the sanctuary or they'll have a group of friends. They preach it live. I just write the whole thing out and I'm just trying to see the flow of things. Then that thing I do on Sunday morning, I'll print that out, fold it in half, write out my one word notes on the back just so it fits on half a page. And I stick that in my Bible and never look at it again. I bring it up there with me. I set it out like I'm going to look at it. Never look at it. I have never looked at that thing. It's just sitting there. But it's part of my routine. And if I didn't do that, I think I would feel a little uncomfortable. Do you all have anything like that, like a safety blanket for you? 
That's an interesting question. Sorry, go ahead, Sam. I, I kind of do. Um, so uh, I, really two things. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily a safety blanket, but it's certainly a, a safety measure. I have to check my fly before I get up on stage. So, um, I do the same thing. Every, in, in I, I mean, if we're, if we're just going to be open and honest uh, and real right, and raw right. well, with our listeners. Let's not be open. Let's zip that thing up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I have I I have to check my fly. Um, so that's step number one. Before that's literally before the first step to the stage. Now has that ever? Um, but as, pause. Has that ever happened to you? Have you? Realized no, no, because I always check. Have I you always Micah? check. Yes, it's happened to me, and praise the Lord at the time <laughs> when I realized it, there was a nice pulpit that covered everything, so I could stand back there and zip it up, and it was all good. It happened to me, <laughs> and I just went whoops. And just zipped it up in front of everybody. <laughs> Did you really say whoops? Yeah. Oh, I mean, what are you going to do? It's right that's there. The, oh, that's classic. Had my hands in that my is pocket. That is classic. Look down. Like, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so, talk about chasing rabbits. Yeah. Um, so I do have notes. This is kind of how I think of my notes. Uh, I'm like you, Josh. I, I do have a pretty detailed outline that I bring up on stage. I don't often use it, though. Um, it's for half pages that are cut horizontally um so lands landscape version if it's a word document um and and i and i use that uh, as kind of a, a road map so the, the way i think of it is you know you lived in a city your whole life if you had a map like a print map next to you you would know the roads and you know all that you would need to do is kind of glance at that map to kind of know where you are um that's kind of the way I view my, my sermons is I, I'm, I'm so well versed in them at that point that it's just kind of a map. I just got to glance at every now and then and just go, OK, that's where I am. But I don't even really need it. It's just it, it is just kind of a safety measure that I have just in case, you know, something happens, power goes out or, you know, um, you've just, you, you, you know, you, you just completely lose track of your thoughts. I mean, it, which has happened to me. Um, but, yeah, it's more of a safety Micah, measure. You, it's a safety blanket. Do you have something like that? Yeah, I mean, I take notes up there. I, it sounds like my notes might be a little less than what you guys take up there, but I do use them more than Sam is describing. So, you know, that's there. Um, I mean, I, I I don't ever go up without notes. I shouldn't say, well, that's not true. There have been a few times when I've done it without notes. But generally speaking, they're there. And for me, and this may, may seem odd um, that this is even a thing, but to me the pulpit is a necessity. Um I shouldn't say necessity. I've preached without them before. But at the last church I was pastor, Frederick Boulevard, we had a huge stage, enormous platform. It was like three feet tall, made out of solid concrete, and you could park two semis, tractor trailer on it, and still have room left over. I mean, it was huge. We had a fan-shaped auditorium. And so if I wanted to see everybody on the platform, I needed to walk back and forth across the whole platform. So we actually eliminated the pulpit for a couple of years, and I had two big flat-screen TVs kind of slightly angled on the platform and I had a clicker in my pocket and all my notes were there. So I was basically had a teleprompter is what I used for my preaching with my sermon notes on those teleprompters. And that allowed me to be unglued from the center of the platform and kind of be able to wander across the whole platform. And I did that for a year or two and just realized that I know it's not, there's nothing biblical about having the pulpit, but, but for me, the concept of the sacred desk, the pulpit is an important one. And so, I mean, I've spoken at conferences and stuff since where we do like a, uh, um, you know, we do a, just a small stand or something like that. And even here, we've got a, a series coming up this summer 
on marriage and family and, and one of our venues, we're going to do kind of a living room set up on the platform. And they asked me, do we have to have the pulpit? And I said, you know, we can get rid of it, but I need, I need a stand. So we're going to use a stand. But generally speaking, I like the pulpit up there. I just think there's something powerful about standing behind the pulpit and, and preaching. And I do, even in our most contemporary venue, I stand behind the pulpit a lot as I preach. I know some guys, I've actually heard guys that have like, they have to have a paper clip in their pocket and they'll hold that That's... paper clip as they're talking because it makes them nervous. I've known other guys, and you've probably seen this before, and it's more than just a time thing. I know a pastor who takes off his watch, lays it up on the – y'all have probably seen that before. That's an old school. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. And yeah. um, But I've known guys that they have to do that, and they can't start preaching without their watch. Like, I need my watch because I have to lay it up there. And, and you watch them preach. They never look at that watch ever, you know, and you wish they would at some point, but they're not looking at <laughs> we that don't, watch. I don't I – don't, use my watch, but we actually do use a digital countdown timer for all of our sermons. Now yeah. we have a digital countdown timer, which I love. Yeah, absolutely I like adore. I never have to worry about what time it is doing the math in my head and how much time do I have left? I just see the countdown timer and I know here's how many minutes I've got left. So Micah, you brought up an interesting point, which I think this will make us sound like fuddy duddies. Probably. I think, uh, to the gray hair. Yeah. So, okay. you know, okay. So what's your take on this? I per I prefer a a a uh, a pulpit of some sort. Now you 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 both probably seen mine. It's it's super modern and and kind of cool and stuff like this. But I prefer it over like say a music stand. I prefer <coughs> definitely having something up there that's distinct as a pulpit. I also mm. really prefer, and it bugs me not in a way that I'm judging any guys that do this because one of my favorite preachers does this. I I think the preacher should have the Bible. I think you should have the Bible, hold the Bible, talk from the Bible, act like the Bible matters. I get that your cool little notebook has scripture pieces in there, and then you've got the notes and all that kind of stuff beside. Totally get it, not judging it at all, 100%. But for me, i got to have a Bible with me. How do you guys feel about that sort of, uh, these new young whippersnappers that are all older than me that do that? You know, How, how do you feel about that? I, I, I'm with you. I, I like the print Bible. Um, I, I'm not against somebody who preaches from an electronic, you know, iPad or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't bother me. Uh, my, my only, but I've always told guys that I coach, if you have, you know, your phone or an, uh, a, a tablet or what have you, just make sure you have a paper copy if you need if you need those notes or those verses. Because what if it blanks out on you? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, me personally, yeah, I, I preach from the printed Bible. Um, just, it's just what I'm used to. Um, so I, I, I agree, but it's, I'm, I'm like you, it, I'm not saying it's a, a, a necessity. No. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to be a fuddy duddy. I, I, I really don't, but yeah, that's what I do. I'm pretty sure the fact that both of you guys keep using that phrase means you are, but you know, I just want to be clear on that point. Yeah. I, I think I mean, it's just a preference issue. Nobody's condemning, but I think you ought to use a Bible up in the pulpit. Yeah. And I'm going to condemn me if you don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I legitimately won't. Mind. But I do prefer to have a Bible in the pulpit. And you, you, yeah. you know what? Uh, now that we're talking about this, one of the one of the things that I feel like I have to do is stand. Mm. Like I could never preach sitting down. And I know there are guys that do that, but but I I couldn't do the stool and the table thing. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm I want to walk around. I'm sometimes jumping up and down. I mean I. I get into my sermons, yeah. so I, I, I can't yeah. imagine sitting down and preaching. And again, if somebody does that, 
fair enough. I mean, they're they're probably great at what they do. I just I can't I can't do that. I got to stand up. We um we're up against the time here. I just wanted to mention one other thing. See see y'all's feedback on it. Uh, one of the things I thought very early in my preaching ministry was I was going to be as good as possible at just getting on base. So what I mean by that is. I didn't want to use any projection. I didn't want to use any electronics for my notes. I didn't even want to depend on my notes. My thought was, if I can preach with me and a Bible, period, and be the best I can be at that, when I'm at a church that maybe has a graphic designer or I have the bandwidth to build notes and slides and those sort of things, or outlines, I will do that later. But I want to be able to you know, walk into a middle school gym at FCA and do a sermon or at any cer- or you know at any church or if the if the slides go down that's why our slides aren't I don't have like slides that illustrate it's just the main text the main verse from the text the rest of the verses I bring up I lead people to kind of look those up we're going to look these up together but the main text how do you guys feel about are there any safeguards you make to where you're not dependent on some of the secondary things although they're good but how do you safeguard against being dependent on those yeah, I mean, every sermon I preach, I assume that the power is going to go out and all the technology is going to be gone. So I, I make that assumption for every sermon um, because those things have happened. And you have to preach from just your Bible and just your notes. So while we use technology, and I'm all about being on the cutting edge of technology with you know with the church, at the same time, you need to prepare as if, that's not going to be there. So mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, that's every week for us. If, yeah. if things blank out, we're, we're, we're ready to go. Yeah, my, my illustrations, I try to you know emphasize the story over visuals. But then once I've got the story really down, then I'll bring in visuals. Micah, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I'm with you guys. I mean, I do the same thing as you guys, so no different there. But, it, but I do want to bring – I know we're up against the clock. I want to bring up two things real quick that to me matter and I think should, should shape the way we deliver sermons. <clears throat> and it bleeds over into prep, but really is about delivery. Um, and, and the first is is I think of preaching as art and science, okay? So science is textual discovery. Art is textual delivery, right? And so, and I mean, there's a little bit of science behind delivery, but delivery is mostly personality, your ability to um, to beautifully display the content. Uh, prep is digging into the text. It's textual archaeology and revealing what's there, right? <clears throat> the problem is I think most pastors either tend toward art or science. And I think if we just started naming off famous pastors and preachers right now, and we could say, okay, which one do they tend toward? Every one of us could say, oh, that's an art guy. Oh, that's a science. You know, that that one, is, we could get that. Mm. So to me, when I'm doing prep and delivery every week, I'm trying to be a faithful preacher who balances art and science. Mm. How do I weigh both sides of the equation? I want my content to be as rich as possible, but I want my delivery to be as rich as possible. So for instance, I listen to and or watch a portion of every sermon I preach. And it's the most painful thing I do. But every week I watch or listen to part of my sermon from the week before because I want to get better. We use I use a sermon review form that I've handed out. It's a password-protected form. I've handed out the password to a small group of 20 or 30 people that I trust. They fill it out anonymously every week, but I want feedback every week. And I, I tell them what kind of feedback I'm looking for, but I'm looking for critical feedback every week, sharpen our preachers up, and there's multiple preachers in our church, sharpen all of us on content and delivery. So – Think of preaching in those ways, 
and try and make sure you're balancing those things. The second thing I would say is illustrations is where sermons often break down. Mm. Preaching, preaching tends to be a male-heavy um, exercise. And as a result, our, and the three of us are good examples, we're all guys, but we preach to at least half, if not a majority, females every week. And illustrations are where we break down and we become very gender-specific in the way we apply the text to our people. And so there's a number of ways you can push back against that in your church. One of the things we do is we have a sermon prep team that involves four or five people, and it includes one or two women. And intentionally, we intentionally try and include, 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 try and include different ages, different genders, different, different races on our sermon prep team so that everything I'm doing, I'm filtering through those people, and they can say to me, well, and they do every week. This is a better way to say that. That's going to be more applicable or that's going to be better understood by the multiple genders in the congregation. And, and I'm trying to be reviewed on that as part of our sermon review. Did I, did I focus on just one gender, one race, one age demographic in the way I preached? But I think, in my experience, the average preacher does not realize when you're a, when you're a male you know, a pastor and you're jumping up the pulpit and constantly dropping football references, you've lost 40 plus percent of your congregation. There's a number of men who also aren't going to get it, but they're, right. they're not going to get it. Right. So I use sports illustrations. I'm not afraid to use them, but I want to make sure I balance those with illustrations that people who might not want sports or might not res- resonate with that are also going to use. It's hmm. great stuff. I think we could keep going uh, for just a whole nother show on this. There's so much in that that we need to uh, think through. Everybody needs to think through as they're, as they're doing this. It, what's What's important to realize is that you know, the preaching is one of the greatest factors people use in determining whether or not they're going to participate or engage with this particular church. It's a huge factor. So you got to think. It's, it's number one. I mean, it, it's often you do the stats. It's it's usually number one. Barna just came out with new research that said it is number one. Right. So think through that. And if you stink at it, then get better at it. You can work at this. And this is something that we can improve. Here at ESD, we always like to pass along tools and resources for pastors of any churches, any size churches. One such tool is simplechurchtools.com, particularly the Simple Church prayer tool that uh, they developed there. It's a pretty handy tool. It's very cost effective. You're only talking about $1 a week. You can afford that, and it'll help you save a ton of time and energy. Through this tool, you can organize your church prayer requests, quickly generate printed prayer handouts, add prayer requests to your website, even give your members a prayer request app, sort of. It's a web-based app, but it works, and it'll help them out. This tool is developed by Ryan Hayden, who is a pastor just like you. He's in Mattoon, Illinois, at Bible Baptist Church, and he needed a tool, developed it, and now he's passing that along to you. Check out simplechurchtools.com and uh, participate in that. This is all we have for EST Podcast this week. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next week.